0: Today is going to be a little unusual because it's not something that we in cultural settings really understand much about. The first word, at uh, least the, the English standard, says bondservants, but in most translations it says slaves, and that was the reality in those days and in many centuries of history of the earth. And so um, I want to read verses 5 through 9 with you of Ephesians chapter 6. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does This he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him.
1: Thank you, Dwight. Thanks for that update, too. If you weren't here a couple months ago, as we shared our our partnership, and we're supporting Dwight and Mary as a church this year, uh, in prayer and financially, to see this happen, because we do believe in that Acts 1-8 mission, and we often call us to give sacrificially to those other regions and those other places and we want to give and invest right here fully. And we are in our neighborhoods and certainly where you are planted and surrounding this place. Uh, but we want to learn and glean from a couple who has done this for decades, but is also trying to contextualize in a whole uh, in a whole new way. Uh, as we're always trying to learn and develop and grow and never, never rely on what used to work, but to continue to follow the Spirit into all of the fields we're sent into. So if you're looking for a ministry to partner with and to give to, this would be one that you can, Dwight has a non-profit uh, as well that you could support and give to for not just this kind of ministry but counseling and consulting and all that he continues to do in ministry. So we're grateful to have them as both a model and also as, as friends and disciples, fellow disciples doing the very work of the Lord. As Dwight said, this is the kind of final section of house rules, you might call it, uh, Paul's been addressing husbands and wives, parents and children, and now masters and bond servants. All of this flowing out of Ephesians 5, and remember when Paul wrote, he wasn't stopping to write headings and numbers of titles, and so there is a flow here that moves across chapter uh, barriers, and it really comes out of the, uh, the middle portion of Ephesians 5, where Paul says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. As you are continually filled by the living Spirit within you, this then will be what it looks like. This will be transformed living. If we start just pulling these verses out of this context and say, "Okay, I need to, I need to get my act together. I need to work harder. I need to love like this. If I'm a husband or a father or a wife, or if I'm, well, maybe in our context, if I'm a, an employee or uh, or a boss, I need to, I need to, I need to get working." That's going to fail every time. This is not come out of our own strength. This comes out of the, the Holy Spirit working in and through us. This is the result of who God is and what He's done, and therefore who we are. This then is what it looks like. That order is so vital. I can't tell you how many times I've already said that in this series, and hopefully uh, different ways, but to try to drive home that point of what we are relying on for this kind of work. It's already been done. We are created to do good works. God prepared those in advance for us to do. That's Ephesians 2. Because of His amazing grace that He's poured into our lives. Because we need nothing from any other person or any other thing, we can then be freed to serve. Because we have been given everything in Christ. And that's the center point of this message. We need nothing from any other person or any other thing because we've been given everything in Jesus. Therefore, we are freed to serve. Freed to give. Our lives can be transformed without even our circumstances changing at all. And many of you need that today. You need a transformation. You need a complete change knowing that there's so many circumstances that you have no control over whatsoever. And Jesus may change them. He may rescue you. He may move you. But he wants to transform your very heart and perspective, right? In the very place that you are, he can transform your life. And in that, bring you freedom. As White said, many of your translations, if they say the letters NIV or NASB or NRSV on the spine of your Bible, they'll say slave to begin this section. That may not be all that helpful, simply because of what comes to mind when we think of slave and slavery, our own grievous history of oppression and suppression, of dehumanizing, of violence, often, if not primarily, along racial lines. Interesting that we come to this passage on uh, Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, It wasn't lost on me as we once again remember Not just an advocate, maybe the most influential advocate for equality in the history of our country. That's often how he is proclaimed, but his his day is set aside tomorrow. We do have a day set aside for one of the greatest Christian martyrs that our country has ever known. The life of Martin Luther King, of Dr. King modeled a life following Jesus about as well as any in a public arena that we have seen in our history. It seems to be glossed over. But the only reason he continued to preach for righteousness and for justice for all peoples was because he was a follower of Jesus and he could do no other at the threat of his own life. He literally laid down his life and continued to walk, even bringing his family into harm's way because of his commission To be a follower of Jesus. To stand up for truth and justice and righteousness. And so he rightfully is honored and proclaimed. And even Dr. King would say, look not to me, but look to the God that I serve. The God who stands for justice, for mercy, and for equality. And so we come to a passage addressing slaves or bond servants and masters at a time when even our nation is reflecting on oppression and suppression, hopefully grieving and continuing to lament and repent for where we have even propagated division along those kinds of walls and racial lines. So it may not be helpful to have the term slave in this context because it was different in their day. Now certainly, it's not to sugarcoat anything, but there still was plenty of oppression and suppression and mistreatment from masters or those in positions of power to those inferior, but that was maybe more of the exception than the rule. Slavery and household servitude was very normal in their culture, and there were plenty of examples of that being a thriving way of life, even. I'm not I, I, None of us, I think, even historians and scholars, are able to discern quite the level or the depth, so we wouldn't want to make statements that would be untrue and try to uh, paint it in rose colored glasses but there was plenty of service given it within a household that was honorable people willingly came in you you could become a bond servant in many ways and it, it, it could happen through prisoners of war and through oppression and through buying and selling and other grievous things but someone could also come into the service of another a master willingly perhaps to better their position of life perhaps because they couldn't repay a debt. Banking and loans weren't quite the same as they are today. And so you would often go to a wealthy uh, landowner and put up some form of collateral to gain some income for a time. And then if if seasons came hard, you could be thrown into prison for not being able to pay back your debt. And often a uh, an owner, a landowner, a wealthy merchant might even take you into his service if you were willing to pay off that debt for a set amount of time and a, a contract would be signed. Uh, far preferable than moving into prison. Some immigrants were coming in. That that was the kind of work they could find. And so they would come into the service of a household and they would therefore have a master. But it it wouldn't have been an oppressive situation. It wouldn't have been along racial lines necessarily. The culture was very different. We need to understand that as Paul addresses it. And yet, these peoples weren't necessarily free. Even if they had come in willingly, into that kind of role it was for a set time in order to pay a debt. And so they were often in places of longing, longing for freedom, longing for financial stability, longing to be out from under some form of mistreatment or oppression, and that's who Paul is speaking to. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament as one who certainly wasn't free, but when he served Potiphar, before Potiphar's wife kind of came into the scene and disrupted everything, Joseph was loved by Potiphar, trusted, in fact elevated to be kind of his right-hand man in charge of everything. Potiphar didn't even look at the finances that were coming in through his business practices. He entrusted everything to Joseph. And so that, that picture of what it meant, though Joseph wasn't truly free, it was a different kind of relationship than what we might first think of when we hear the term slave. In Exodus 21 and in Deuteronomy 15, there's, this, there's a principle which I think is helpful for us to see of someone coming willingly and giving themselves for lifelong servitude to a master. Now in, in Jewish custom, if you had to repay a debt or you came into the service of another, at the end of six years, you were set free. You were released from that service. Your debt was forgiven and canceled. So that was the culture in that time. And here's a picture in Deuteronomy. I'll pick, I'll pick Deuteronomy 15-16. But at the, if at the end of those six years, your servant says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you. Hear that. Because he loves you and your household. He is well off with you. Well then, you shall take an all and you shall... Through his ear into the door frame you shall pierce his ear, and he shall be your slave, your bond servant for life. Well, that was just a picture, I've thought, you know, I've got a couple holes in my head, maybe I'll show up next week with some awls pierced through my ears just to surprise you and my kids. We'll see if that happens. But I, I love the I love the imagery and symbolism is important, and that's why they did that. There, there was something that took place in that transaction. But but don't miss what happened before, because that could that can sound oppressive. Wait, you took a, a an awl and a and a hammer and pierced that ear lobe right through to the door. But look what comes before that. No, if, if your servant, though he is free, says, I don't want to leave. Because he loves you. Not just because life might have been better and it's hard out there, and this is I've got things good. No, because he loves you. That actually says more about the master of that household, the owner of that household, than it does about the servant within. Because if a servant who wasn't truly free, whether just by life circumstances or otherwise, comes to love the one he serves, that may even own him to some degree. What that says about that master, that he loved and cared for and provided and fed, and not just considered those servants as employees, but friends, if not parts of the extended family. That's a powerful picture that should maybe change how we think of slave and master when we come to this context. Without without ignoring that there was plenty of oppression and mistreatment and abuse that took place. There was both and. Whereas in the history of our country, I think some may have tried to paint that picture. That there was an okay scenario, tried to justify it. But I think that is just as grievous of a sin as the oppression that took place in our history. But get this picture from Deuteronomy 15 in mind. willing bond servants, because of love, And let's see that we too would aspire to the same thing. That we too are aspiring to be bondservants of a Master who has loved and cared for us. Who actually has given His life for us. And that He would pierce not just our earlobe, but our heart as well. The Greek word for master is curious. Curious. No, really, it's Curious. K-U-R-I-O-U-S, if we want to transliterate into English letters. And it's translated Master or Lord, most often used for Jesus in the New Testament. In this passage, it's used five times. If you have your Bibles open to Ephesians 6 still, quickly scan through there and see if you can see Master five times. Well, you won't. But the word Kyrios is there five times because it's also translated Lord, referring to Jesus. And then ultimately referring to God Himself in that final verse 9. That He who is in heaven is their Master, their Lord, their curios, and yours. There's no partiality with Him. So really the earthly position that we hold makes relatively little difference Difference, We are all under a master. Who that master is is what's most important. Would you consider yourself a slave? A bond servant? Let's not be deluded. Jesus himself said in John 8:34, "Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin." And since we know that we have all sinned, we've all transgressed, both I guess by nature and by choice. If the definition of sin is to turn from the source of true life, God Himself, to any other pursuit, to give ourselves to any other Master or God, or pursuit for fulfillment and satisfaction, that's really the, the heart of sin. It's that turning. And that's why repentance, the word repent literally means to turn is to turn back to God himself that's what repentance is because we've already turned and every one of us knows that today this morning this week this month how many ways even subtle ways have we just turned from God to our own will in our own way Isaiah says all we we're like sheep we've gone according to our own way we've just wandered we're just truly wanderers and we find ourselves lost To turn and to come back to that shepherd, to that God, is what repentance is. So if that's the definition of sin, then we've become a slave to sin, Jesus says. He actually uses the term bondservant here. Though it can sometimes feel like we've been taken unwillingly. We are in bondage or oppressed to the service of another or this world or consumerism or pleasure or power or affirmation and approval. And though we don't want to continue to serve, we feel in bondage to continue to try to find satisfaction and fulfillment and purpose in all of these other things. We feel trapped. We can feel unwillingly like we've given ourselves. And yet truly, we have willingly each one turned. It's both and. We've become a bondservant of another master. And we know what the end is. The tragic end is already written. Paul says it in Romans 6.20. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Tongue in cheek there. If we could do air quotes, you would. You were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things from which you are now ashamed? That lifestyle. For the end of those things is death. The wages of sin is death. The, the, The payment... The wage that you have earned for living that way ultimately leads in death. Separation from God. That's the reward. That's the reward of that pursuit. Though you thought you were free in accord to righteousness, in a a sense, to do whatever you want, whatever you will, whatever feels good. You think you have freedom. In reality, you are a slave. You're under an oppressive master that will ultimately lead to death. Jesus said in Matthew six twenty four in His Sermon on the Mount, and we'll come back to chapter 6 in a little bit, He said, No one can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, is the translation in many passages. It's mammon, which is a broader picture of probably worldly pursuits or wealth. You, you can't serve both. You have to have pure, uh, to be pure of heart. To have a singular devotion to one Master. And this may be the biggest thing in our current culture that keeps us from walking faithfully with Jesus is we're trying to serve both. And we don't know how to break free from the oppressive Master of ultimate consumerism, of affluence, of prosperity, of abundance, and all things that come with that, a sense of security, comfort, control, and pleasure. Why Jesus said it is very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He said that to his disciples after confronting a very wealthy man who said, Jesus, what what must I do to earn your favor, to inherit the the kingdom? Well, follow the law, Jesus said, and he was kind of testing him all this I've done. you know. He, he's like, there's nothing holding me back. And he said, well then, you want to be perfect then? Go and sell everything you have. Give to the poor. Then come follow me. Then you will have one master. And he went away sorrowful. Is it because he had great wealth? Which master do we want to serve? One that leads to bondage, to death, To oppression that requires, even if not demands, more and more and more from us. Obviously not. We want one that leads to freedom, to life, to love, to belonging, to purpose. And we would all say that, and yet fully devoting ourselves to the one is where we often can come to that line. That Jesus himself sets and we look and we turn and we go away sorrowful. Because though we want it, we cannot rid ourselves of the oppressive chains of bondage of the pursuit of this other master. And it's true. We cannot rid ourselves. We cannot break those chains. There's only one who can break those chains and truly set us free. We've already been singing to him and about him today. And we will continue in a few moments. There's only one who can break those chains by His amazing grace. It's what Jesus Himself offers. No longer slaves to sin, but truly freed by righteousness. By His righteousness. Freed to serve God Himself. Now Jesus would radically change our lives without necessarily changing our circumstances. Lord Jesus free us and deliver us. There's a there's a passage that Paul writes to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 7:21, which could give us some insight. He says, For "Were you a bond servant when you were called? Don't be concerned about it." So he's speaking to wherever you find yourself. Now he is speaking of actual bond service and probably not necessarily the best kind that we tried to paint a picture of which did exist, but a hard life. Maybe an oppressed life, or certainly just a life longing for freedom. So he's writing to that person, don't concern yourself about it. If you can find your freedom, gain it. But he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is truly a freed man in the Lord. Your life changes, it transforms, even though circumstances haven't. But likewise, if you're free... And in this way if you're not a bondservant in fact you are being called as a bondservant of Christ you were bought at a price do not become bondservants of men brothers in whatever condition you were called let remain in that place with God even if we are free I would guess that most of us aren't in that kind of a relationship today. We have that kind of freedom. You consider yourself a slave, a bondservant, to a master who is good, loving, just, righteous, merciful, who has broken your chains, who has demanded all, and yet we willingly with joy come because of love. The Apostle Paul knew this full well his joy in serving His Master. Galatians 1.10, which sits on a block of wood in my office. And every time I see it, I say, I want to flip that thing around because I have not even come close to achieving this. That's what a life verse is. Not one that you've met, but one that you're striving to be true in your life. Galatians 1.10, Paul says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? And if you know anything about Paul's story, he had lived his entire life for the approval, the acumen, the attention of men to be esteemed, to be powerful. And he was zealous like, any, like none other before him. And he says, no, am I still trying to please men? if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Doulos, same term, a bond servant. I've given my life to the one who has given his life for me. Paul describes that heart and attitude shift that must take place from an earthly master, from approval or attention or recognition to a heavenly master, to our Lord. Paul could have used the Greek word because he used it often, diakonos, servant. Where we get the term deacon, which simply means to serve. He could have easily used that. I would not be a deacon of Christ. And he could have meant much by that statement. But he uses that deeper, stronger term, do loss. I would not be a bondservant bought at a price. I'm owned by another, by his very life. No one would pay anything for me, and this one paid all. He gave everything. He gave his life. If you found yourself as a slave, an actual slave, stolen, kidnapped, oppressed, bought, and chained, and lined up to be trafficked. And if a master came who was not oppressive, but paid higher than anyone else was willing to pay, bought you and set you free, would that not transform everything about your life? In fact, you may turn and willingly say, I will serve you, I will follow you wherever you go. And ultimately, Jesus Himself has done even more than that. Because there was no other price but His own life and His own blood. And He gave it for you. And He gave it for me to set you free. To break those chains of any other pursuit. That's what Paul has been hammering on this entire letter. Any other thing that you are pursuing for fulfillment, for satisfaction, for life, for freedom... You have been loved by the Father. He has poured out an abundance of His grace and His riches into your life. There is nothing else you need, nothing this world can offer that will satisfy. No attention or approval or recognition of man, of earthly father or mother or boss or spouse. Nothing but the love of the Father that has been poured out on you. This is your identity. You are chosen. You are loved. You are redeemed. You were died for. You have been purchased for freedom. And for freedom, in Christ we have been set free. This is the heart and attitude shift that is transformative. And that can change everything without changing our circumstances. May we live into that. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would to Christ. Not by the way of eye service. I like, I like that. That's just a direct translation. Eye service. We might say, not as a hypocrite. Well, we use that term in all sorts of various wrong ways today. A hypocrite was a Greek actor who literally put on a mask and performed in front of others. That's a hypocrite. Not someone who says one thing and does another. That's Isn't that the way we often use it? Uh, not a good thing either. But hypocrite was someone who put on a mask and performed for others for attention, for recognition, for applause. That's a hypocrite. And that makes us all hypocrites. In almost every context, we end up putting on a mask of something that's not quite who we are and doing our best to perform. That we might have acceptance, approval, recognition, or more. We don't serve that way to serve Christ. Not for eye service. We don't serve that way in any context because we've already been approved. We've already been accepted. We've already been seen for who we truly are without any mask and loved. And so we are freed to serve. Working the same way no matter whose eyes are on us ultimately knowing that God sees all things and we are serving unto Him. That's the Master we serve. Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whatever we do, any task, no matter how mundane it might seem, we are doing unto the glory of that Master. Our life becomes transformed even without our circumstances changing because this is our call. Jesus railed against the Pharisees a lot. They were the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders that had everything in their life was set and detailed and oriented to the law. They were by that standard perfect. When they did sin, because of course they knew they did, they perfectly followed their way of redemption through sacrifice. So they were esteemed and they walked around like it. Well, Jesus railed against them more than any other. He said, your lips praise me, but your hearts are far from me. You're just religious. In the Sermon on the Mount, I said we'd come back to Matthew 6. This is our call for the Master that we serve, not the ones of this world. Jesus said, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That's literally the definition of a hypocrite to act in front of another for their recognition. Beware of that, Jesus says. You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You may have a reward on earth, and that is it. And if you know, you like I, any approval or recognition we've ever received, it feels good in the moment and never lasts. It's never enough. There must be more. That's serving an oppressive master because there will be no end to that pursuit. That's your reward. But if you want more of that, If you want more than that, we serve our Father in heaven in all that we do. And then he lists some examples. When we give to the needy, we do so in secret, that our Father who sees what is done in secret will will reward us. When we pray, we go into our room and we close the door. That doesn't mean we can't pray in public and in gatherings. We should. But he was contrasting the Pharisees who would come in public and with many words and many mantras and repetitions, with arms stretched loudly for everyone to see their righteousness and their holiness, they thought they were honoring unto God, but ultimately only seeking the approval of men. So when you pray, you go into secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you fast, you do not do it to boast in front of men, but your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again and again, that phrase. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever you treasure, whatever you focus your attention on is ultimately what you worship. It's what you ascribe worth to. When we have an audience of one, so to speak, one who sees all, we are free to serve any others regardless of whether it is Approved, honored, recognized, noticed because we have a Father who sees all and what He sees, He will reward. Is that the reward that we're after? Well done, my good and faithful servant. And so if this does not describe us today, if you find that you are a bond servant of another, having willingly given yourself over to the service of another God, whether it's approval or recognition or acclaim and power, influence, pleasure, and you know it's not enough, it never satisfies, but you don't know how to break those that bondage, then we have a call to repentance. To turn from. To come toward this Master who beckons you come. The only One that can break those chains. If you spend effort trying to break those chains of bondage, I'll, I'll give it all away. I will. I won't, I won't engage in those forms of pleasure anymore. I won't pursue the approval of man. I'll just stop. It will be a futile effort. You will never break free. But if instead of working where you are, you turn and come toward the one who breaks chains and sets you free, you will be free indeed. Because His grace is that powerful to break chains Come to the Master, the one Master, who as He brings you into His service at the same time, sets you free and makes you single-hearted, pure in heart to His service and His alone. That we would willingly lay down our life to advance His name, His kingdom, to represent Him in any place we find ourselves serving and sent. This should also redeem the way that we work for those that are bondservants of Christ and find themselves also struggling with the approval and the acclaim of others, the attention, as if that was enough to satisfy. And if some of you want to be out of your current job like yesterday, Jesus can transform your work without changing any circumstances. You can transfer bosses without changing an earthly boss. And I'm not saying... Getting out of a current environment and getting onto a, a, a different job is a, a wrong thing or a wrong prayer it may very well be good. But right now, even today, or even tomorrow, you can transform the way that you work, knowing that Jesus, your master, sees all and you are giving all unto him, not to your earthly employer. You can even serve them and love them in a way that would be striking, a way that would be transformative. Whether or not it's and actually, it, it may be rewarded in an earthly way, or it may even come with greater persecution. You ever felt that? What's your angle? Why are you doing that? Greater oppression. And so we're called to serve. I think of Daniel in the Old Testament, who served pagan rulers, dictators, abusers, murderers. He served them and served their kingdom. How could he possibly do that? He advanced their kingdoms because his faith was in one true king a God who held even these most powerful men on earth in his hand and could allow their kingdoms to rise and then bring them to nothing and he did and Daniel saw them come and go because he served one true king Lord your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven our service can transform without even our circumstances changing as we give all things even the mundane things that we're called to do unto the Lord. Brother Lawrence was famous for this, finding some of the most holy places in his life, washing dishes, though he was a monk in a monastery and had hours a day in religious devotion and prayer and worship. He said there is no greater sacred space. In fact, there's no dif- dif- differentiation between sacred and secular as I practice the presence of God with, with me in all times at all places. So even washing dishes unto the Lord. For you who are bosses, if you do have those either direct reports or those under you, you are called to serve and to give in the same way as if we were serving unto Christ with a sincere heart, with faithfulness, with love. Perhaps our leadership of others and our oversight of others will transform because ultimately we are very, there's very little difference between us. Even if you have some kind of authority as to the newest hire, because we are all under this one master. Think of Boaz, who served as an earthly example and greeted his servants each day with, the Lord be with you. And he treated them generously and cared for them, and his mercy then extended to the immigrant Ruth. Boaz finds himself even in the lineage of Christ himself. But all these earthly examples, whether Boaz or Joseph or Daniel or Brother Lawrence, they're just a reflection of the one true Master of Jesus, though He was King, came to serve. You want to be great? You come and serve. You wash feet. He laid down His life. He was ultimately pierced for our transgressions. And so Lord, may we be pierced by You. In fact, with that, let's pray as I look at the clock and say let's respond to God's Word. So team, why don't you come and let's pray to this Master and let's come to Him in these prayers, in our heart, as we sing these songs, as we come to the table. If you are coming toward Jesus, this table is for you. The communion meal is for you as a reminder of the life that was broken, of the body that was pierced. Though He was King, though He was ultimate Master, He gave all to serve. And we get to serve like that. He frees us to serve. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank You that You rule and You reign over all things. Yet You do so with steadfast love, with grace, with mercy, with patience. Teach us to love and serve like that. Help us be fully willing to be anonymous for You. If that's what it would take. The opposite of hypocrisy, but anonymity. That you would have all the glory and all the fame and all of the recognition. We would know that you are approving of us, that you will reward us, and we serve for your eyes alone. Free us, Lord, from the bondage of sin to earthly masters, which we cannot do on our own. Thank you for giving us purpose and meaning and power. What a privilege we live with. Now as we respond through your Spirit, would you pierce us, not just our ear, but our hearts. Pierce us to our very core. Mark us as yours and send us on your mission wherever you would plant us this week. For your glory and our joy we pray. Amen.